0: Hello and welcome to the BA Brew. I'm Pete, I'm John, oh, I'm Debbie, and today we're going to be talking about the BA role and AI. Um, so if I can go to you first, John, um, I understand that you've been looking into automation and of course the, the next thing that's coming along and it's uh, hot on everyone's lips nowadays, AI. Um, you know, what sort of things have you been looking at in particular um, that relate to how a BA could start to use AI a bit more?
1: I mean, we've been spending a lot of time recently, I mean, over over recent times, looking at how we can use, use tools like Gen AI, but that's something that we've definitely been looking at. Um, but more more holistically, we've been looking at automation for, for some time, actually. So as we think about business process, when we work with stakeholders, understand what it is that they're doing the steps that they they're, they're conducting, and uh, an understanding which of those steps may be currently manual or may be used in in, in tools, maybe inefficient ways or inefficient ways or in inefficient ways. Um, that's often a, a starting point, really, just just understand what's happening today. And I think uh, as we as we start to think about process, I think it's quite natural to think about how you might optimize it, and that that optimization can come through. Improving the way we work as individuals, but also through um, through using automation uh, as one example. But that's very much uh, probably the lens that we've been looking through probably for some time, I would say. But uh, AI as a term has um, uh, become quite prevalent recently. But um, that's probably the, the foundational um, reason we we think about it. I, would so,
0: so I, think, I think there's two aspects here, then, isn't there? I mean, there's there's one which is how we could use AI. Um, to help the role of the BA and to help become more effective BAs ourselves. But there's also about the potential that AI has within organisations to help with things like automation, as you've mentioned, and efficiencies and to get better insights into data and all all manner of other things. Um, Just just before we get much further, I just wondered if you, you could just explain for our audience, just in case, um, what you mean by Gen AI, because there's lots of buzzwords around, aren't there?
1: Yeah, so it's um, so really, it's the, the term it's a subset of automation, uh, I should say, to, or of, of AI, in uh, the first instance. So, uh, in of AI, is really just a, a, a model that, uh, that we use. So you might see, for, uh, as an example, you might have heard of tools like, like ChatGBT, which is uh, mm-hmm. one such um, uh, tool that, uh, that relies on, on Gen AI uh, capability. Really, what it allows us to do is to really interact um, more freely with the automation, as it were. So, so almost to think of it as a as a person. So, rather than having to change the way that you might ask a question to be very technical, we can interact with it in quite a natural way, natural language, effectively, yeah. and it will then respond yeah. to us uh, accordingly. So, with that in mind, yeah. it means you have to be an expert in asking the perfect technical question to get the information out. We can ask the sort of questions we ask as BAs, and then we will possibly get the, uh, the answers we need.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I think there was an interesting conversation that we had just before we started recording um, about the possibility of treating generative AI as another stakeholder, just another stakeholder, as an SME, someone that we can use to, to help do brainstorming. I, I know this is something um, of a particular interest. Um, to, to you, Debbie. So uh, have you got any particular thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, I think it is really interesting. And I, I do support what John said. And I, I like the idea of thinking of AI and the tools within the AI field as an extra stakeholder that we can call on. If you think of a RACI, um, it's sort of the C, isn't it? We can consult um, these mm-hmm. other stakeholders. And what's been interesting for me is using some of these tools has been quite sort of domain specific as well and and i look at some of the tools that are out there i I actually sign up to a weekly newsletter that keeps me updated on which tools are coming through Um, and when i look at them uh, some of them i think okay that's really interesting but actually it's not particularly relevant to me but i do think about if it could be relevant. Because I suppose the, the angle I always take is, can I leverage that to make things work better or more efficiently? Um, but then occasionally you see a tool and you think, actually, that's that's got potential for what I'm trying to do in my business. And it must be the same, John, in financial services. You must be looking at certain tools and thinking, actually, that really ties in with the work that we do. So we can use that to improve some of the processes.
1: Yeah, definitely, and uh, I mean, I think there's a there's a few examples that I can naturally think of. I mean, and they probably fall along if we keep it simple. I mean, there, there'll be some examples where we can use the tool just for our transformation and our project work and our business analysis activities. Um, but then there's also a lot of uses of the tool for financial services and other organisations themselves. You know, so uh, so whether that's interrogating information, interacting uh, with with um, customers, maybe directly, or with teams directly. You know, we might see see particularly trained bots um, or, or, or or the like um, that people can interact with really to be able to get the information that they need. You know, so so an example I was thinking of this morning actually was that you know some places we work. You know, there's reporting at different stages, and uh, the reports tend to be potentially a flat report, but sometimes in more advanced areas you might see dashboards but there's always mm. questions uh, about the data or questions that have not been answered by what's presented on screen. And actually, if you've got um, you know, capability on top of that data to ask some simple questions about, you know, can we explore um, a particular number in a, in a, in a sector? You know, why, is, why are the profits gone up this month versus last month? And why are these numbers different? I think just being able to ask that question in a simple way. Um, mm will be quite powerful, I think, for, for business users that tend to currently uh, probably rely on stopping things, getting their questions, sending them back to a BA, then the questions have to go to tech, and then they uh, eventually get an answer in the next time they look at the report.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things I, I remember reading up, I, I think it was a Harvard Business Review article, um, was about the use of machine learning in data analytics. And and one of the challenges, I guess, with data, we're trying to ask questions in data is to know what questions to ask. Um, (laughs) So that's half the battle, isn't it? But one of the things it was saying in this article, and I I think it was in the the States, um, it was Harley Davidson had found some insights looking at their data. Um, and, And what they actually found was a question that nobody would have thought to ask. And and what it was, was that the wording that they used for specific adverts um, had a significant impact on the the sort of sales closure rate, if you see what I mean. So so they'd be putting out adverts out there, you know, saying, you know, call us. And then there'd be another one saying, um, you know, click here and that sort of thing. And they found, I can't remember which way around it was, but there there was a particular, wording within the ads that led to significantly higher sales in the end. Now they wouldn't have thought about, you know, analyzing down to that level of, of detail about, you know, all, you know, what words do we use and how effective are those words? So machine, learn, machine learning by looking at the data uh, found a trend and then reported back on that trend, and, and it's almost like having another expert on your team, isn't it? That that's a, a sort of automated data scientist almost. Um, mm-hmm. One of it's, the other it's
2: things. Quite I, interesting, oh, is not
0: it? Yeah, when, yeah. Sorry,
2: just talking about that because that makes me think of a few things. Firstly, this point about asking questions that are likely to offer relevant information um, but also then understanding that you have to take the information and maybe play it through a further level of analysis because you know you know you know because we've used ChatGPT, i think it was for certain activities which which is fantastic and it comes back to what you were saying john that actually you know you can speed up your work to improve certain aspects of work by using these tools, but we did have to filter it through a level of understanding and interpretation and application and change in order for it to be incredibly useful. And that actually required, dare I say it, some analytical ability.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean,
1: in the same way, it always makes me think of when you know if we talk to a particular stakeholder about a situation, I can never entirely rely on the information as being accurate until yeah. I've taken other perspectives. And also, if those perspectives are all saying the same thing, that significantly raises my, my confidence levels. And in the mm-hmm. same way is that, that, that AI is presenting information to us that others have, have suspected already or that we can prove, then that's mm-hmm. all the more helpful. You know, um, yeah. and sometimes it's just useful. Uh, I think to the example that was mentioned a minute ago, just useful using that technology to find the questions that we wouldn't necessarily have identified quickly.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, it, it's not like a, a another tool, like a, a modelling tool or something like that. That's that's in a way sort of quite passive. This is quite an active yeah. additional tool to your BA toolkit, isn't it? In a sense, but I think there's a, another interesting point there. Um, you know, building on what Debbie was saying, that sometimes you have to be careful and, and analyze carefully what answers you get when you ask those sorts of questions. Um, there have been uh, occasions where people have put in some very uh, odd questions to uh, to Gen, Gen AI type um, uh, applications and come back with some very bizarre answers and some completely ridiculous answers as well so you know there is a tendency sometimes for people to trust what a computer says you know this one is the computer is always right but it, it's not and, and that could be a bit of a danger there couldn't it if we're not careful i
1: think there's the opportunity in these tools uh, actually to, to to interact with them in the same way you would though with other stakeholders in that you know if if i was to receive some information i'd want to prove or i'd want to ask where did you get your source where's your source of that information and actually, we've, we've been experimenting with it all uh, very recently. And uh, when we get information, we'll ask a series of questions to be able to make sure that information is is as accurate as can be. And we still still have to go and validate it. But we'll ask, mm. for example, you know, how confident are you in the accuracy of this information? Where's the sort, mm. what are the sources that you've used? You know, what are the links to those sources? Um, we've even tried to to try and get to almost like the the section or the page or the chapter, in some cases, of where the information has come from um, with, mm. with varying degrees of success. All that mm. so that, ultimately, you can take those sources, compare what you've seen, or uh, what you're getting back to actually determine, would you agree with that perspective? You know, yeah. it's all basically yeah. interpretation of, of data and information, really.
0: I, I think there's, a, there's another thing to, to, to uh, perhaps have a bit of a think about. There's, there's a lot of these AI tools that are free. So you know there's a version of chat GPT, but you have to be careful because obviously it it was trained and, and GPT is I think a generative pre trained uh, transformer I think that stands for doesn't it, it it's trained on a huge knowledge base it, you know a, a large language model I think they called it um, yeah. but you know when was it trained and and I think the free version is already out of date. And I think the last time I looked, it, it was, you know, it, it's knowledge bases is, is like almost two years old now. So, you know, if you're expecting it to be current and, and reflect on what's been happening within the last year or even two years, um, you've got to make sure, perhaps, that you're, you're look at, and this is not a sales pitch, by the way, but you've got to be thinking, do we need to subscribe to something that is much more up-to-date and, and has a much bigger knowledge base? Um, otherwise, you're going yeah. to get a very narrow view, which I guess is reflective of, of stakeholders, isn't it? If you ask a stakeholder that has very out-of-date business practices and knowledge, because they don't work in that area anymore,
2: then you're going to get out-of-date information, potentially. It is interesting because you actually see organisations moving into using AI tools. I mean, I think, it, I think we're talking about a very broad spectrum of tools with that term, by the way. But I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at things like chatbots, okay, you, know, you can go on websites for some extremely large companies And the quality of the tool they're using and the quality of the way they're using it is actually poor, really poor. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you come back to looking at, you know, tools learning from um, large learning models, then actually you do wonder with some of the, and I don't even know if they're proprietary tools, they may be, but some of them, you wonder how small the learning base is, Mm -hmm. if you like the knowledge repository that they're actually working from. Because they're not very good. And so mm-hmm. I think at the moment it's quite interesting to me that I look at things and think, and maybe I'd always think this was a business analyst involved in looking at this? Because <laughs>
0: It's your standard not- question, isn't it, David? <laughs> My
2: standard question, sorry about that, guys. But you know, when you think about it, you, you see these organizations have access to a lot of money, okay, coming up with search algorithms, chatbots that are really not very good. And so, you know, they're using a form of AI, if you like, but in a, either they're using it in a poor way or they're not really understanding what customers want. And we come back to the business analyst at this point, don't we? And so I sort of think it, it's great to think about these tools as tools we can use. It's great to think about how they can help us to improve processes but it's also great not to think as long as we've got that that's job done and we don't need somebody to actually run some maybe scenarios through this and look at the world I think as you mentioned earlier John through different perspectives that's my sort of take on what's happening with some of it at the moment.
1: I would agree I mean because I think potentially any one of us could 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 tap into a at all, whether it's a, a, an enterprise version or just a free version that we've got, ask a question, perhaps uh, of what is the, the the business process that happens in in a library, for example, and uh, we'll get a response. And if I was employed as a VA within an, a, a library, I can't, I shouldn't just assume that what I've got from AI is an accurate view mm-hmm. of that organisation because you know that that library, if I take it as an example, we we'll have very particular customers, we'll have. Particular staff who have a particular way of working have challenges based on their wider structure and organisation and the systems they're already using. So um, we we have to be careful not to apply a one size fits all model um, because mm. every organisation, situation, and stakeholders are, are different. Mm. You know, and I think back to your point, Debbie, I think having that underlying BA expertise to appreciate that and to be able to interact with different stakeholders, take the wider view. And and digest information from a variety of different di- dimensions and directions, mm-hmm. and then figure out the right way forward with the help of the stakeholders is is probably a safer bet, I would say, than relying on uh, on tools mm-hmm. to do it for us.
0: And, and I think that's I think that's a good point. And you know, there is a view, isn't there, um, or, or a fear, a general fear about AI is that AI is going to take over and replace everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, Interestingly, when we we first tackled AI, we actually had uh, an, an AI um, avatar uh, hosting the BA brew. I uh, can't remember exactly what uh, what number that was, but I'm sure. Uh, and, and so our producer will pop that into the to, the comments at some point. Um, and we asked the question: you know, does a BA need to be human? And um, and this is coming from a, a, a Chat GPT. Um, engine. And the conclusion was, yes, it does. Um, And that the the AI wasn't going to suddenly replace everything that a a BA does, um, but it could be used as a good tool to support and and improve and enhance the work of the BA. Uh, And and certainly that's the view I've always had. And I think it's shared by other um, uh, uh, other the presenters. I, I remember attending the, um, the session that uh, Dr. Kitty Hung um, uh, presented at the BA conference in September last year, and she was coming to a similar conclusion. You know, we still need to, to use the, the human BAs for the things that humans are good at and judgment and things like that. But we then use the tool for the things that tools are good at, which is processing huge amounts of information and consolidating that. You know, to to almost curate um, uh, information within an organization um, to speed up the process of analysis.
2: And it does worry me know. slightly, though. I don't know what you think. You know, <laughs> if we look at machine learning and we look at things like large language models and 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 this repository, you know, trillions and trillions of of um, repository of information you do have incorrect information in there. You do have biased information in there. And mm. what worries me a little bit is where people might think about it as giving the answer. And as business analysts, you know, we know in any situation, there's always different views on things, but there's also different options. And I think, again, this is a factor that we can sort of pull into this and and again it's that analytical objective viewpoint where we can pull things together a bit more and Mm -hmm. i can't at the moment see that not being needed but i don't have a crystal ball for the future (laughs) do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um but that that is something that that Mm -hmm. does worry me because i have you know I've, i've attended seminars where people were talking about bias in results um, because there's only a certain view within the repository and that's what you end up with um, mm-hmm. and if you're somebody who, who knows the situation and you, you might know that particular domain or area or topic then you can evaluate if you don't then it's much easier to just accept the results and, and mm-hmm. that I think you know, it, it's back, I suppose, to the old argument with data, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's exactly the same argument. Yes. So that does worry me a little bit um, mm. because I think if you don't have that objective thinking hat on, it can be easy to accept something and face value. Mm.
0: And, it, and it's interesting in terms of that an- analogy with data, because within data, we often talk about the provenance of data. And the lineage, where does it come from? What's the original source? Is that a trustworthy source? Has it been manipulated um, in, in order to to give you some sense of um, of comfort in terms of the accuracy and the validity of that data? We don't have that as yet with AI. You know, all we're looking at is is what it regurgitates back. But I've certainly tried in the past to ask it about its sources. You know, can you cite, um, you know, a reference, a citation for for that particular piece of information, and that's not available yet. Which is so there's a, there's a shrouded in secrecy. No. Where is this coming from?
1: You'll be pleased to know, in the uh, newer version, or the enterprise version, that is there. So you can you can ask the source of information. Yeah, which is which uh, is pretty Fair. useful because um, and quite timely. I was asking the, the same question this morning actually, and uh, and it's. It, it, it gives a bit more comfort that you know that the answers are there, and I think I was, it was several uh, several months ago I was talking to someone about this, and uh, and what's interesting is that yes, you know there's plenty of cases where we can use automation and AI for um, you know to improve things for, for for sure and speed up our process, but what we have to make sure is that in order to ensure the information we get is accurate, if it's actually going to take us longer to validate the information we get from an AI source. Than it would have been to acquire it through some other means. Then mm. there's a very good argument to suggest probably we shouldn't be using it. We should use mm. more efficient ways of, of getting accurate information. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. you know, I think and it, it, I use the word perspectives a lot. But I think if you you've got to speak to the people that have the the situations uh, the, or mm. the, the the you know that you're doing the analysis for the customers, people involved in the process. Um, if the way they work or the organization in which they work are not aligned to the, the way that those are fed into perhaps AI tools, then that's the situation. So you've got to adjust to what they actually need and what they do um, as best you can.
0: Yeah. One of Debbie's favorite words, that not it? Perspectives. Yeah, especially in the context of stakeholders yeah. and business perspectives.
1: Yeah. I can I, can I just
0: today,
1: I should, uh, put myself on the uh, record and play
0: on that one? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, can I just um, ask one one other sort of question? I've got on my my list here. I mean, something that we did start to um, discuss again before we um, before we started recording, which was about the the effect and the impact of all of this on the BA role, because I, I think um, uh, the comment was made that BAs historically have not been necessarily the best uh, people to uh, take on board technology, some uh, still a little bit um, fearful, if you like, or cynical about technology. I, I mean, I've struggled over many years trying to teach people that data is a good thing in, in organizations, but uh, let alone AI. So have we got a challenge there? I mean, are, are BAs, do BAs need to completely change their outlook, change their skill set? What, what, what do we think?
1: I think BA's could do certainly BA's, BA managers, BA leaders definitely help with um, continuing to spread the word on on what we do, you know, the extent of what we do, the value of what we're doing, the benefits of having business analysts, benefits of doing analysis in a thorough and and, you know right way, if there is such a thing as a right way, just so that they can appreciate that that you're not going to replace a BA at least in the short term with bringing a tool in. You know, I think so. I think. You know, there's probably a responsibility on all of us as BAs, irrespective of level, or BA managers or head of practice, wherever we are, to, um, to make sure that we're taking as much opportunity as we can to share, not only with the BA community, but with the wider community, with our stakeholders and sponsors as well, so that they don't potentially um, make, make decisions that might remove BAs from the picture in certain circumstances. Because uh, I, I have a view, must um, be a biased one, but I have a view that if they were to remove BA from the uh, picture, um, at least in the short term, it wouldn't. There wouldn't be a, a positive outcome. And when I say the BA, I guess the BA activity is not necessarily the person, yeah, be not the
2: role, but the BA role. I think. Um, I think from my my perspective, I like to look at things like capability. I like to take a sort of a business architecture view sometimes. And if I look at, you know, the business analysis capability that organisations have or maybe should have, a capability encompasses a lot of different things, Um, some skills and competencies, um, equipment, but also tools and other resources. And if you're going to have business analysis capability, you've got to have all of this. And the tools today aren't just modeling tools or spreadsheets or uh, stuff like that. The tools today encompass a very wide variety. And, And coming back to something I said earlier, and sometimes they're quite domain specific. Sometimes they're a bit more generic. But as a business analyst, at the very least, you've got to be aware of them. Because if you're not, then that capability can be a bit undermined in certain situations. And, and I remember, Pete, something that came up at ASSIST last year where we were talking about a particular issue we had with our digital content development and then thought, actually, there's an AI tool that could help with this. And mm-hmm. it helped speed things up. It removed a blocker very quickly. But if we hadn't mm-hmm. been aware that that tool existed and the potential it offered, we would have missed it completely. Um, And so there is that need, I think, for BAs to be comfortable with understanding not just their toolkit, but the technical toolkit that sits out there that reinforces their capability.
0: Mm. And and, and, I mean, we we talk a lot about the BA competencies, don't we? And we say that, you know, you've got inter-behavioural skills business knowledge. Well, actually, it's not just business knowledge here. It's now knowledge of the available tools and technologies out there. Um, so it does broaden that, you know, rather than just understanding about your business domain and your particular organization, as you say, you know, being aware that there are these new, you know, upcoming technologies and how they might be able to help with particular challenges within the business. Um, John, any any thoughts? Yeah. yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think... Um,
1: Always been an advocate of spending as much time up front in a project to spe- and, and throughout, in fact, of collaborating with the development team, the, the architects, the uh, those in technology more broadly, um, to try and find out from them, you know, what applications or technical components they're building or they might recommend or they've used to understand as well the sort of questions that I might need to ask on their behalf to help them identify what the right Tools are or how to configure the tools that they have. Um, and I think this feels like an extension of that. So, for example, if we are introducing emerging technologies in the same way that when we introduce any technology to an organization, let's go and speak to the experts, the teams implementing it, the technology team, developers, to find out mm. more about it. What is the capability of it? But actually, don't just um, don't stop there. Let's try and push the boundaries and ask could it do this could it do more could we extend it how can we configure it what if the business changes what if the business grows and i think from those types of questions hopefully the technology will develop in a way that's compatible with the way the business is is developing um mm-hmm. but i think i guess to maybe we answer the question as well that we'll also learn as bas you know a lot about the the what the technology requires of us for the business and the type of questions that need
0: to be answered from it you know, so well no doubt around. we could discuss this topic for the rest of the day um, and the rest of the week um, it is a very hot topic Had lots of there's lots to talk about potentially and we've only got a very limited amount of time here so I'm sure this is not going to be our last um, AI brew um, but just um before we, we call it a day um, Just if I can go to you for for final thoughts. So, um, Debbie,
2: uh, do you have some final thoughts first? I I just think, you know, business analysts, we've had to develop and grow over the last three decades that uh, business analysis has really been around as a discipline. I think this is another challenging area. We do have to do some learning, but then that's what we do all the time. And I think to move forward as BAs, we've got to really be prepared to learn and to adapt and to think, okay, how can I use this? How can I use this to do a really good job? Because that to me is the essence of it.
0: Excellent. And um, John, final
1: thoughts? I would totally agree. I mean, I was just, just thinking really that uh, I, I don't yet consider myself an expert in AI, but uh, I certainly consider myself more of an expert than I was yesterday. And if I can sort of continue that, um, that process, and I'm sure I'll feel a bit more better, better off for the result of it. And I think attending sessions like this um, is brilliant. You know, it's a good way to learn more. I think for viewers of sessions like this, there's another excellent way, as well as sort of taking in some of the advice that's, that we've been discussing, such as, you know, broaden your horizon, speak to people, look out for, for the technology, and um, be prepared to learn and adapt, I think, as you said, as well.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's quite, I mean, my my final thought is it's quite an exciting time. There's lots of exciting possibilities from AI. Um, You know, keep abreast of what's going on as a BA, as as we always do anyway. But also, you know, just be slightly cynical about some of the things and and as you would do anything else, you know, analyse what you're hearing, analyse what the technology especially with these uh, GPT um, chat type technology analyze what it's telling you and think you know does that make sense is that right do I want to validate that before I do anything with that um, so yes watch your space because I'm sure our next one will have even more to talk about because this is a very fast moving area isn't it thanks very much everyone for listening um, it would really help us if you could like or comment or and subscribe um, to, to the BA Brew, to our YouTube channel. Um, if you have any thoughts of any possible future BA Brews, we're always uh, happy to hear your ideas. So please email us on babrew at ciskd.com.